and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse, where am I, Lou? What verse am I going from? Verse 21 to 34, there we go. So let's read, it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was, uh, was by the lake. Then one of the uh, synagogue leaders named, now forgive me if I don't say this properly, who, who knows what that name is? Jairus? Jairus? That was what I was going to say. I always get caught up on names in the Bible sometimes. I have to really think about how they pronounce them. Um, so he come uh, to Jesus and saw Jesus and he fell at his feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. I love how Jesus went with him. And it says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, uh, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see these people crowding against you, the disciples said, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a, what a great passage of Scripture. Well, actually, you know, I, I actually preached from this up in Townsville recently when I was up there and God really did something in that moment through this message in people's lives. And I just felt in my heart that God wanted me to share a similar message here today. Um, you know, really around this idea of that faith has a voice. Faith has a voice that some struggle to understand. And, and, and so we have this woman here and there's a voice going on on the inside of her that makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense what she's thinking in her own mind. The first thing we see is that, that, that you know, Jesus is coming in her direction and, and she's, you know, he's actually going in a different direction. He's actually going somewhere else to see this young girl who's dying and he's going to heal her. He was going to heal her. And it goes on that she gets healed. But along the way, when he was on, he was focused in a different direction. And he's walking along and people are crowding around him and, 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 and people were touching him. It was that crowded that people were rubbing against him. The disciples said, how, how can you say who touched you? All these people touching you. All these people are crowding around you. And what makes it so interesting is that, yes, there was all these people touching him, but only one person drew from him. 
Isn't that interesting? That there can be a great crowd of people around Jesus, but, but there can be no faith in that crowd. Because it's faith that draws the manifestation from God, right? It's our faith in God that draws from Him. So, if you, so, so there are people that gather around the teachings of the gospel. There are people that gather around the church. There are people that gather in the church. But do they have the faith to believe that God is able to do what He's promised to do in their life? And I want to challenge you today. Are you here with faith to believe that that thing that you're facing right now, God can and is willing and is able to bring the answer to the problem. He actually can do it. Would you dare to believe with me today that God is able in your life? That that thing you're facing is not impossible. Maybe you've just never considered the fact that God can do that. Maybe you've never thought about the fact that, you know, maybe you've been living with something for so long like this lady that, that you just, you've tried everything and think, well, I'm just going to have to live with this situation. Because everything changed for this lady in one verse. It says, when she heard about Jesus. This is when things started to change for her. When she heard about Jesus. What do you think she heard about Jesus? What do you think she actually might have heard? All right, so, so Jesus has obviously been traveling around and, and as he's traveling around and doing what he's doing, he's coming across sick people and they're getting healed. He's coming across blind people and they're getting, they can see. He's coming across demon-possessed people and they're getting set free, right? So, so the things that she possibly could have heard about Jesus in, up until this moment could have been things like in Mark 1.21, when Jesus drove out an evil spirit in, from somebody. It could have been in like Mark 1.29 when Jesus healed many people, right? She, she would have been hearing these stories. It could have been like in Mark 1.40 when Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Or what about in Mark, uh, Mark 2.1 when he heals a paralyzed person? Or even in Mark 4.34 when he calms the seas that were raging around the disciples' boat when they were in fear and trembling, Jesus says, peace and be still, and it just stops. Now, I believe that this lady, these were the stories that were going before Jesus. So somebody got healed and, and then they started to travel and they'd go in different, different towns and cities. And as they were going, they'd be sharing their story. Maybe somebody knew them. Weren't you that blind person that couldn't see? How can you see now? Well, let me tell you how I can see. This man named Jesus came and he spat in some mud and he put it in my eyes and he said, go wash. And I washed and I could see. Well, this man, he prayed over me and yes, I had leprosy and I know I was an outcast, but now look at me, my skin is clear and perfect and there's not an, an ounce of leprosy on my hands. Yes, I had depression, I was out of my mind and I felt crazy and there was like a demonic oppression on my life. But then this man named Jesus come and he told the demon to leave and all of a sudden, now I can think straight. Now I can think clearly. Now I can see perfectly. You know, she, she, these were the stories that this lady was hearing. These were stories that she was hearing of this man named Jesus that could heal, this man named Jesus that could set free, this man named Jesus that seemed to have a power that others had lacked. She had spent all that she had. She had done everything in her own ability to do what she could to see the answer come to pass. 
She'd gone to all the best doctors in the community, the ones that had studied for many, many years on all the different elements of a woman's body. Okay, she'd spent all her money. She, She had gone to the point of being broke, no money left to be able to get any help. And she just happens to be in this crowd at this moment. You know what? There are no coincidences in God. She was meant to be there. Why? So that we today can share this story for you and I to receive faith to believe that God is able to do it. So she hears these stories, people getting healed. And the first thing that happens, it says, she came up behind it. Why? Because she thought to herself, if I can just touch him. I can be healed. There's two things here. The first is, do you realize how powerful your story is? Do you realize how powerful even the smallest story of God's goodness in your life is for somebody that doesn't know him or somebody that is suffering from something in their world? Your story, my story is so important. That's why the devil comes against us and tries to make us feel that we can't share it. And we tell ourselves all sorts of things. Oh, I'm not an evangelist and I'm not this and I don't know how to do that and I'm just one that stands in the background and I'm this. But there's nothing in those excuses that help us because the reality is all we need to really do, if we just take that word evangelist, right, and we just take it and we just put it over here for a minute and we go, great word, But let's just talk about our ability to share our life with people because that's simply what God is asking us to do. He's not asking us to be the greatest preacher. He's not asking us to be the greatest scholar of the Word. He's not asking us to run down every person in the street and, you know, beat them. I don't know. He just wants you to find somebody and share your life with them. That's really what evangelism is. Come and see what Jesus has done in my life. And if you can do that, if you can share that story, even when you're scared, even when you're unsure, even when you think maybe they're going to laugh at me, maybe they're going to think I'm stupid, maybe they're going to think, how, what a whack job. Like Maybe they'll think lots of things about us. But if you just share your life with somebody, there's always somebody around to listen. Just like this lady in the middle of this crowd, was just listening to the stories that had encountered Jesus. And I couldn't imagine, even Paul said, I did not come with elegant speech and great, you know, he said, I came with a demonstration of God's power. What was the demonstration of God's power? Obviously laying hands on people, probably getting healed, but also the story of salvation that's in his life. The story of what God did for him that he was a persecutor of Christians. Then he became the greatest apostle of Christians. He was the man that spread the church wide and far, further than any other disciple. His story is one of significance. Your story is one of significance. You might think, well, God hasn't really done anything great in my life. I've been a Christian all my life and I I was born into the church. I gave my life to Jesus, yes, and I'm still in church. Do you know what? 
That is a powerful, powerful, powerful story for someone like me that was knelt in church, that lived life all the wrong way, that life fell apart and, and I, I ended up in a big heap and a mess. Oh, what I would have given to been born into the church, to not had to have walked through those ups and downs and valleys, what I would have given for someone just like you and I in this building right now that maybe has been in the church forever, to hear the story of your good, the goodness and faithfulness of God in your life, that there are people that need to hear your story. Some of us have got miraculous stories where God has intervened and done huge things. We want to hear those stories too. Why? Because there are people in the community that need to hear. Need to hear that God still heals. That God still delivers. That God still provides. That God is not dead. I read in the paper the other day, uh, there was some article and the writer of the article's like, God is dead. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's alive in my life. I don't know what he's like in yours, but for me, He's here, he's willing, he's able, he's present. I feel him. I know he's true. I know he's real. God is not dead. But the world, there are people in the world that want to say he's dead because they haven't experienced him. They haven't experienced what he can do. But I'm telling you, there is no dead God. God is not dead. He died once and he was resurrected and that was it. He'll never die again. And so here we are with a God that is able you know, when I was in Townsville, I, I had a bunch of young adults with me. And it was interesting because I kind of felt like the dad of these young people. It was weird. And, uh, and, and, and so we're there and they're, if you know young adults or youth, they've got their own language. Like especially youth kids, like they've got their own language. They say their own things. So it's, they're saying things like, oh, that slaps. I said, Slaps. What's that? They go, oh, it's a, it's a saying that we say. And they, oh, that's a vibe. Who said that one? That's a vibe, right? I'm like, I'm 44 years old. I'm like, the lingo from my, my time was, man, that is radical, eh? That's so awesome. And, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't understand what these young people are talking about. So it became this big game that I would be, and I'd just, just say it randomly. And they'd be like, oh, Pastor Dave, that's not what it means. You can't use it in, you can't use it in that context. I said, well, look, all I understand is that my mum used to slap, right? A whole different type of slapping. And, uh, and so I said, that's slapping. And they go, no, don't say it's slapping. That's not, that's not what it is. And then, you know, or, or it's sweaty. So, right, see? Sweaty. Is that one? Right? It is, right? It is, right? Hey, listen to you guys. Don't draw me into the sermon, Dad. <laughs> but there's this language that is so hard to understand. They talk their own lingo. But every generation's got it, right? So you would even, John, you would think back and when you were younger, you'd, there'd be a, way, a certain way you guys used to talk, right? I've <laughs> And then let's not even get started on different cultures and how they say things because that's just like blows your mind. But, but there's this language that, you know, it's hard to understand and you can look at it with a bit of a weird look on your face when you hear it because, because I just don't get it. I'm too old or, or whatever. And faith can be a little bit like that. When somebody has a promise from God and, and, and inside of them and they're like, I believe that God is able to do this. 
So someone that, you know, is maybe on a low income and they go, I'm believing God's going to provide me with a house to buy. And we look at their income and we look at what they're believing for and it'd be easy to go, <laughs> good on you. Like, like that's going to happen. But, but that statement in itself is neglecting the fact that God is in the middle of that whole scenario and He is able to provide financially for us to see, to see what we're believing for come to pass. So we see someone that's just like this lady has gone to the doctors and the doctors have said to them, listen, there's nothing else I can do for you. This is it. We've done everything we can. I've met people like this. They've gone to the doctor with cancer or some sickness and they've been told, you're just going to have to live with this because there's nothing. We cannot do anything else for you. We've put you through all the chemo. We've put you through all the treatments. Nothing is working. And, 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 but this person says, well, that's great, but I believe that God is going to heal me. Now, they sound crazy. Why? Because it just doesn't align with the worldly thinking that, that somehow the doctors have all the answers. But I often say to people, that's great. You know, doctors have their place. Don't get me wrong. Of course they do. God can use doctors in our world. Of course he can. That's why he created them. But doctors tend to have only facts. So what they do is they do a whole lot of tests and all the tests come back and here's the facts about the condition of your body. But what I love about God is he doesn't really need the facts. All he needs is his truth, right, which is here. And his truth outweighs their facts. So if we will lean into the Word of God and trust God and trust his Word and his promises for our life, we can be assured that God is going to do something significant in our world. And this is why people can live in a state of faith and we look at them and go, how... How are you managing to be in a position of you've been told that you're terminally ill, but you're able to live with a different type of beat to the drum of like, I'm believing that God is going to do something significant in my life. I'm believing that I'm not going to be another statistic, that I'm actually going to be a, a point of difference for the world, that God is able to do what he has promised to do. So she heard about Jesus and I, I find it interesting that the first thing Jesus or God challenged in this lady, the first thing he transformed was her thinking. He transformed her thought because it says that she thought to herself. So it happened, the dialogue happened on the inside. She thought to herself, if I can just reach out. Nobody told her to reach out. The thought came to her. That if I can just stretch out my hand, often the miracle that we're looking for, it's in the stretch, right? We've got to stretch out a little bit. It's not just going to come to us, but we have to stretch out for it a little bit. It's going to cost us something. It's going to, it's going to, we're going to need to move to reach out for it. But it's interesting that the first thing that got challenged in her life was her thought life. And I believe it's because... Often we are robbed by the way we think, right? So there's like four voices that speak to us in our life. Obviously, the first voice, if you're a Christian, is God. God, even if you're not a Christian, God can talk to you. We have God's voice, our own voice. We have an internal dialogue about our own life, right? Then we have the voice of others, 
people that are speaking into us. She heard about Jesus. Someone was speaking to her about Jesus. But then there's the voice of the enemy. The devil has a voice as well. And at any one time, we're listening to one of those voices. And so we've got to ask ourselves in the situation that we find ourselves in and the problem that we're facing, what voice are we listening to? Because the voice we're listening to will determine the outcome of what we're believing for. Right? So when we find ourselves in a place of suffering, just like this lady, how much despair would she have experienced realising she'd come to the end of her own ability to find any kind of freedom from what was going on in her life? You can only imagine where her thought life would have went to because she's human like the rest of us. So none of us are perfect. We all struggle with our thought life. We all struggle with our thinking. And we, we get the doomsday thinking of like, oh man, life is so hard and difficult. Things are never going to work out for me. This is impossible. My children are never going to change. They're never going to come to the Lord. I don't even know what to do about it anymore. I was so, so confused about this situation. I don't know what to do about it. I don't understand. What, that, 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 uh, everything's just screaming at me. It's not possible. What voice is that? Because that's not the voice of God. Because the voice of God says, all things are possible for him who believes. That nothing's impossible for our God. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. These are the things the Word of God says to us. But we can get lost either in our own thoughts of desperation and disappointment, which is often what happens. You know, often it's not the enemy's voice that robs us. Often it's our own internal voice about our situation. And what we actually need is either God to talk to us or God to send somebody else into our world to speak to us that can see differently about our circumstance. Because often when we're bogged down deep in our own suffering, our own circumstances, we cannot see properly the direction that God wants us to go. We can easily fall into desperation and failure and, and just get that futile thinking happening. And often what God can do is send somebody into your world and say, have you considered this? And all of a sudden you go, oh, I hadn't thought about that's right before me. Why did I not see that before? And it's because sometimes our thinking robs us of seeing the pathway forward because we're the ones stuck in the situation. And here's this lady, and she says to herself, which I believe is a, I believe my whole heart that this is God speaking to her, basically saying, Have you considered this? I know it doesn't say that there, but in my, in my thinking when I read this, the way I read it, I, I feel like God is speaking to her. Saying, have you considered reaching out to Jesus? You've heard all the stories, but have you considered that, 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 that what Jesus has is not just for everybody else, but it's for you also? So I was recently just talking to someone and they said to me, they said, you know, I'd never considered the fact that God could heal my child because I've been so bogged down in managing their illness 
but I hadn't stopped to really consider that maybe God could do it for them as well. Until she started hearing stories about how Jesus was starting to heal people and miraculous stories of how God was moving. And she all of a sudden said, now I'm actually starting to believe that God could intervene in this situation. Isn't that powerful? That God challenged a thought, a seed that had given up and said, have you considered Jesus? Have you considered that all those stories that you've heard in your life about what God has done in other people's worlds, he could possibly do it for you as well? What have you given up on? What have you said it's impossible? What is the voice that's speaking to you right now about your circumstance? Is it God? Is it you? Is it somebody else's voice? Because not everybody's voice is a helpful voice, right? I remember many years ago when I started coming to church and just learning to pray and, and all this kind of stuff. I had a youth, I, what I used to do is I would journal. I'd write in, I'd never, no one ever told me to do this. I'd just start write, writing in a journal to God because I just felt like I wanted to do that. So I did it. And I remember this one day I sat with this youth pastor and he said to me, what are you doing that for? That's not how God talks to people. And I stopped journaling. And I got confused about how God talked to people. Why? Because a voice came into my world that was narrow-minded and didn't have understanding themselves and tried to push upon me the lack that he had in his own life. And it took me time to get past that because I was a new Christian, new believer, and I didn't have a lot of understanding. And it wasn't until I went to Bible college and they started to teach me because I went to Bible college very early in my faith. I think I was about Five or six months in when I gave my life to Christ, I started Bible college. So a lot of my spiritual formation happened in a, in a classroom with a lecturer at C3 College. And uh, they had a massive impact on my life. And, uh, but they had to unravel some of this stuff so they could reform it the right way. Because I was robbed by somebody's voice. Because that voice was not right. So what, voice, what voices are, are shaping your faith? What voices are shaping your ability to believe for God to do something miraculous in your world? Because I believe God wants to speak to us today and put a new voice on the inside. The battle will always be in our thinking. It's the battlefield of the mind. Joyce Meyer talks about it. She has a book written on it. That the greatest battle we'll fight in our faith is up here. So I go, oh no, it's in our health. No, 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 no. Yes, our health may be an issue, but the greater battle will be up here in our minds to be able to fix our thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to be able to fix our thoughts, our eyes on Jesus and keep trusting him despite the realities of what is going on. The battle will always be in the thinking. The Bible says, if you, can, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Of course, we know that whatever you ask for in prayer is in alignment with the will of God for our lives, right? It's not just a, a whatever and, uh, God, I pray for $10 million to drop from the sky right now. 
Well, that's not for the will of God for your life. It's probably not going to happen. But, you know, God, I pray that you would run my neighbor over because they play loud music. So can you do away with them, Lord? Because they're so annoying. God's not going to do that. Why? Because it's not the will of God for his life and definitely not for your life. Right? So obviously we understand that God moves in our lives according to his will. Because she thought to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So she stretches out in the crowd. I could, you know, in my head, I see her kind of trying to reach around people that she wasn't even maybe close enough to really touch Jesus because she had to stretch, right? So, so obviously she wasn't that close. She had to kind of find her hand, find her way in to touch something of Jesus. And, uh, and so she had to really stretch out and really reach out to him. So the breakthrough is in the stretch. There's a story in Matthew 12, 13 about a man that had a shriveled hand. His hand was like this. It was like, maybe like that, I don't know. Something like that. He couldn't move it. I could imagine this man's story in, 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 um, in Matthew 12, that, that he would have tried and tried and tried to straighten out his hand. He would have tried every, every day for a long time, probably, oh, I just want to be able to use my hand. I just, and I could imagine him standing there trying to force his fingers out, but not prevailing, not being able to do it. And, and I could imagine he probably got to a point in his life where he goes, well, I'm just going to be disabled. I'm just going to have to maybe learn to beg because that's what disabled people did. They were beggars. So, so, so maybe that's what, he's, what he was doing. I don't think it really tells us. But, but, um, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, this man named Jesus shows up and, and, and he, says, he says to this guy, you know, come here. And he comes and, and he goes, oh, just stretch out your hand. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And, 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 and he goes, well, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. But this guy says do it. He's, he's got a record of people getting healed. What's it going to hurt to try again, right? So he tries and, he, and he, he stretches. And I can imagine him just all of a sudden his hand stretches out and it becomes normal. And he's, he's, you could just imagine him going, I cannot believe what, what just happened. Because I've tried my whole life in my own ability. I've tried and tried and tried and tried to get the breakthrough. And what happened is that he had an encounter with Jesus. And that's all it took. Too often we can think it's going to take some kind of complex process for things to change. Oh, well, you know, like, I'm going to have to have all the healing scriptures in the Bible written on the wall of the house. And I'm going to have to read them every day. And of course, those things are helpful. But we should never do away with the fact that Jesus is able in an instant to do something that we cannot do in an eternity. Like, just like that, he can make things change. Just like that, he can turn that situation around. He can save that child. He can bring that parent into the house of God. He can heal that person. He can transform that situation. He can give a church a building just like that. 
He is able to do it. And we have to be able to put our faith in Him and be willing to have a language about ourselves when it comes to believing God that others may not understand. It makes no sense when Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody's like, you just pipe down and be quiet. Bartimaeus, shh, he's a busy man. But Jesus stops. He stops. He didn't pass him by. And he says, bring him to me. They bring him over. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. And he gets healed. But he had a voice, he had a sound coming out of him that made no sense to those around him. They were just like, no, don't bother Jesus, be quiet. And this was the disciples saying this. Shh, stop it, Bartimaeus. Trying to shut him down. Being a voice that was trying to shut him down. But Jesus was like, no, I will not pass him by. And he brought him forward. He said, what is it you want? Well, Lord, I want to see. There it is. His whole life was transformed. He went from being a beggar to throwing off his cloak, which identified him as a beggar, to actually being somebody that could see and physically do the things he'd never been able to do before. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it in the past, he can do it today, and he can do it forever. So I wonder what it is you're facing right now that you need God to intervene in. What is it? What voice has been robbing you? What have you given up on? What have you let go of? What have you put in the too hard basket? What is the thing that is that's really like the voice that's going on in there trying to steal something, trying to stop you from moving forward in what you believe God has for you. Because today I believe God wants to speak to us. Can I have the, um, the team come up? When she heard about Jesus... Everything changed in her life. When she made the decision to switch her faith on, right? Because it's not, Lord, I need more faith. It's, Lord, help me activate the faith that you've already given me. We've got to understand as Christians, you don't lack faith. You don't lack it. It's there. Right? It took a portion of faith for us to respond to Jesus in the first place. He's given to us a portion of faith, the Bible tells us. The Bible says it's faith as small as a mustard seed that can move a mountain. So you don't even need much faith. All that needs to happen is that faith needs to be activated so that you can stand in a place to believe and see God do something significant in your world. I hear people say, Lord, give me more faith. I'm like, no, you, you've already got the faith you need. Sometimes, Lord, give me more faith is, Lord, you're sovereign, I expect you to do it all. 
and I will sit and I'll wait and I'll do nothing. I won't step in faith. I won't speak in faith. I won't act in faith because God's got to do it. But often what's happening is God's waiting for you to move because He moves when we move. God moves when you move. God does miraculous things when we take steps of faith. But we have to be willing to move. We have to be willing to to step out in faith, to activate and switch that faith on and say, I choose to believe in this situation that God is gonna work all things for good because I love Him and I'm called according to His purposes. Now, my good may be different to what God's good is. And that's okay because I'm limited in my ability to know how God is gonna work something out. But nonetheless, I will trust Him and activate my faith on the inside to say, I believe, Lord. Can you do that today? Would you do that in your situation? Would you make a decision today to say, you know what? I'm gonna flick my faith on. It's just like a light switch. Click. On it goes. I know I've talked about this before many times. And often we flick the switch on and we're in faith and we're believing and we're believing and, and nothing's changed yet. And oh man, God mustn't want to do it. And then our faith switch goes click and it goes off. And we give up. But what if you just made a decision to just flick it on again? go, okay, I kind of gave up a little bit and got a bit disappointed and kind of, you know, this thing's been going on for a little while and it's a bit exhausting. But what if you just go, but you know what? I'm just going to choose to believe again that my God is able and He is willing. Elijah laid out on a child three times before the miracle took place. Lady says, my child's died come. So he comes, he goes up into the, this room, he shuts the door, he starts seeking God and it says he lays out on this child, breathes, gets up, nothing happens. So again, he walks around the room, starts praying, seeking, come on God, do a miracle. So he gets again and he spreads out on this child again and breathes. Nothing happens. He gets up, man, How easy would have it been for him to go, it's over, it's done. This kid's finished. There's no life left in him. There's nothing I can do. But he goes, no, I will try again. And the Bible says he laid on this child again and breathed. And this child woke up, come back to life. Why? Because Elijah wasn't willing to give up. He kept coming. You can apply that to whatever situation is in your life. If you just keep coming to Jesus, just keep coming to Him. When the answer's not there, keep coming to Him. When it all seems impossible, keep coming to Him. Why? Because He's the only one that can change your circumstance. I can't do it. You can't do it. But He definitely can. He can change the worst of situations. If He can save someone like me, He can do it for you.
he can turn my life around and pull me out of the deepest, darkest pits of depression and anxiety, he can do it for you. If he can heal, you know, my wrist when I was told by a doctor that, that I'd never lift over five kilos again, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.